0: God is here in the room, and uh, we're believing there's hope for you today, that some of you are going to get your lives changed by God this morning. You might not have even been expecting anything, and God's just going to do a work in your life. So I'm really glad you're here. Thank you so much for the honor of your time. I've got the honor of talking to you for several minutes here this morning. And what we're going to do today, guys, is we're calling today Vision Sunday. And so uh, I love Vision Sunday because what it is is it's an opportunity for me to kind of bring you behind the curtain in regard to what Jesus is actually speaking over our church and the direction that he's leading us into. And uh, we're having a bit of a family meeting type conversation today. I always love these moments. They're great moments for us as a church. So uh, excited that you're here. The job of preaching, let's start here, is a weird one, right? Like my job is a super weird job. Where else in society do you have to figure out like 30 to 40 minutes of things worth to say on a weekly basis? And the reality is my job as a preacher isn't so much to speak, but it's to echo. It's It's to speak from the heart of of God to say this is what Jesus is saying, this is who he is, and points you in that direction. And that really is my heart. And so that's what we're going to step into today. God is actually the first preacher in the Bible. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, it says 10 times God spoke and 10 times then God saw. That there is actually creative power in the words that Jesus speaks. When he speaks, things actually happen. And he says over his creation over and over and over again, right, it is very good. So when God speaks, he creates it's very good he he speaks life and flourishing and good things into existence the second preacher in the bible actually is actually satan right he comes preaching a counterfeit message to adam and eve did god really say don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil when satan speaks he brings about deception destruction evil and chaos in the world and guys this right away this is why what you say really matters okay because you are either partnering with the ministry of god or the ministry of satan in your relationships your marriages your families right in all of life we're either speaking from the heart of god uh, or or the ministry of uh the demonic and destruction and partnering with the ministry of satan and so this is the power of the words that come out of your mouth as proverbs 18 verse 21 says there is life and death in the power of the tongue envision weekend is a great opportunity for me to just say hey you know what this is stuff that our leadership team is discerning, that's, that Jesus is saying this, right? And so let's, let's get behind his vision of what he wants to do, champion it, rally behind this moment, and, uh, and be used by God to do awesome stuff. Here's the potential of moments like this, guys, why I think these are really important, is because uh, you know one ox can pull his body weight, two ox can pull three times their body weight, right? And so this is the idea. It's a synergy idea where if we can get in agreement with what Jesus wants to do, Uh, God's going to use us to do amazing things. So four points today. Let me give them to you here, a vision of what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to dive into them one by one. Number one, what's on the heart of God for us as a church this year, develop men. Number two, we're going to talk about healthy leadership teams. Number three, we're going to talk about engaging the mission. And number four, last but certainly not least, what does it mean to actually become a house of prayer? We're going to focus on that one for uh, a couple weeks from now. Side note, small group leaders, I've got your questions this week, so be sure and check the weekly connection uh, because we're not going to really be anchored in a single Bible text. So I've got questions specifically for this sermon for you to check out. What happens for me, guys, is every August, uh, it just seems like I get hit with vision from God. And uh, all of a sudden, these big ideas start to roll around in my mind and my spirit. All of a sudden, different leaders and people here at New Song start talking about the same stuff that I sense God is speaking to me. These things become all that I can see in the Bible. I'll have an idea like, hey, I think we really need to focus on this type of ministry this year. And all of a sudden, somebody from our church has no idea about any of that and says, hey, you know what? I wanna do this type of ministry. And they're the exact same thing, right? And I just realized that this is a pattern this last August. So if you ever feel like God has to hit you in the head with a two by four to get his message across, you're not alone. I know very well what that feels like. And so uh, I'm convinced through prayer, through fasting, through Bible study, that these four things are what Jesus has on his heart for us to invest intentional energy and effort towards this year. And here's what I really need you to understand. I did not just wake up one day and say, these are four good ideas I think we need to do them. Jesus really is the head of our church, says Colossians. He really is our lead senior pastor. He really is our lead senior elder, and we are expecting him to lead us, and that's what he's doing. And so, number one, let's go ahead and jump into these ideas, big concepts, big ideas, stoked to just begin to kind of wade into the water of God's heart for us this year. Number one, let's talk about what this whole development idea is. Uh, You know, we live in a day in an age of so much confusion. This isn't a surprise to anybody, regarding some of the most basic questions of life and existence, right? What does it mean to be a man? What does it actually mean to be a woman? And how we're answering those questions, can we be real, it isn't actually playing out very well for us, right? Like how we are answering these questions is not leading towards flourishing, but towards destruction, deception, and none of it's helpful. And so let's start with just a simple idea here that has no controversy attached to it whatsoever. Uh, gender, okay? Let's start here. Let's start. So Genesis, why are you laughing, man? Okay, Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. What does it say? God created mankind in his image, male and female. He created them, right? Meaning biologically. Here's the fundamental thing that we're talking about right here. Biologically, physically, sociologically, psychologically, men and women are different, right? We're different. God created us different. And, And in addition, those differences God has said are very good. They're actually good. So much of the Bible, here's what we got to understand, works in binaries, right? You've got light, you've got darkness, you've got truth, you've got everything else. You've got the kingdom of God, you've got the counterfeit kingdom of Satan. You have male and you have female, right? You have been told regarding gender, if you went to college, that gender is not rooted in creation, it's actually rooted in culture, and what we consider male and female, masculine and feminine feminine doesn't actually come from God, it comes simply through sociological conditioning. They're all social constructs. Handed down by culture, all of which is completely untrue. Human beings made culture, right? culture doesn't make human beings so it's the cart before the horse uh, you know egg before the chicken type argument it actually doesn't work and so what happens is is what happening what's happening for us at a cultural societal level is now men can we be women and women can be men now I am not denying that gender dysphoria is a legitimate thing and if you're here and this is something that's real for you man we want to be a place of great encouragement and strength for you I want you to know nobody's going to judge you we want to love you and help you through this time it can be so confusing and disorienting but here's the deal we've done a lot more than that as a society, and we have actually, we're breaking down any class differences between male and female, and we're blurring the line so much to say that there is now no difference between what this, we, we don't have any definitive statements that says, this is what it means to be a man, and this is what it actually means to be a woman. The problem is for men, okay, now let's get to this, is there is no clear pathway to manhood anymore, Right? I mean, dudes, do you agree with that or not, right? Like, there's no clear pathway. There's no clear pathway. There's no clear statements of this is what it means to be a man, a husband, and a father. Here's how you prepare yourself for those roles. It's disorienting. It's confusing. Because here's the deal. I know you guys. We want to be great at this, right? Like many of you dudes, you want to be absolutely the best that you can possibly be in these roles. We just don't know how to do it. in fact, John Tyson, he's a pastor in New York City. He's got a great book called Primal Path Should Be Mandatory Reading for every dad uh, here at this church, it's awesome. And basically the thesis of the book is if you look at primitive societies and cultures, there was a clear pathway to manhood. So when a dude hits the age of 13, we pull him away from mom and the video game controller and all of that stuff, and now we're putting a gun in his hands and taking him into the woods, and he's gonna kill something, right? At 13, and he's gonna gut it, and it's gonna be bloody, and it's gonna be messy, and we're gonna bring him into the community of men and now teach him how to actually become a man. Now, a man. Now today, our, our, our version of that is a dude Thirteen, and we put a video game controller in his hand, and we tell him to go be a terrorist for the next ten years of his life—a digital terrorist, right? It's like, hey, here's an iPhone, uh, here's here's uh, you know unhindered internet access. Just don't go look at porn. I trust you're going to make decisions. Like, really? You know, bad parenting strategy, by the way, guys. You, that, that, that's not happening. I know you tend to view your thirteen-year-old boy as like the most perfect thing on the planet. He's not, right? He really isn't. He's a bad parenting strategy, so that that tends to be in the west our pathway towards what it means to actually become a man we leave our sons to go figure it out for themselves and psychological psychologists psychologists and sociologists sociologists wow what is going on right now anyways thank you for bearing with me everybody while my brain gets back in alignment they tell us that if sons don't have that because they want it so bad what do we do we turn to our friends to figure it out Right, And that's a disaster. This is me and my friends. It did not go well, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I can tell you that. And that's what we don't want to do. And so many of us, we want this pathway laid out for us. We want to figure it out. What, it, what does it mean to be a man, a husband, a father, a dad? How do we do that well? And we just don't have a pathway for it. And if you're here and you are a dude, what I want to say to you is so much of life, you just get beat up, Right? all over the place. You do. This is what it means to be a guy. You get beat up at home, at work. You know, culture is definitely not speaking to life. And and, hey, we love you. We're glad you're here over you right now. Like, that's not happening. And there's so much bad news regarding what it means to be a guy. But let me give you some good news. Jesus doesn't want to beat you up. He wants to build you up. If you're a man, if you're a father, a husband, a head of household, you're preparing for those roles, right? He doesn't want to beat you up. He wants to build you up. God has an incredible incredibly robust and beautiful vision for what it means to be a guy, and that's what we want to connect you to. We want to create space for men in our community to actually get together, to study the Bible together, uh, you know, and to, to receive strength and encouragement from one another. The, the Proverbs talk about how as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? That, that we actually need each other to help bear the weight of responsibility that we carry and uh, do the roles that God has called us to in family and church and world uh, well as men. So we want to create spaces for us to do that. And so what are we going to do? Big, big announcement here. Okay, you ready for this? We're basically launching a full-fledged men's ministry here. I'm stoked about it. It's going to be awesome. Our first gathering, we're going to be meeting once a month here in this space. Our first one, guys, write this down, November 15th from 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to come together. We're going to worship. Hopefully, if we can bribe somebody on the worship team <laughs> to bring a guitar to come and lead us, it's going to be awesome, and we're going to do some Bible teaching and get in groups of, uh, you know, dudes across the room and just talk about what we just learned and how we can apply it to our lives. This is going to be a great opportunity for us to look at the Bible, to come to the Bible and say, what does it actually mean to do this thing called manhood, and how can we encourage each other and support each other uh, as we uh, step out in those directions? So uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for you to bring unchurched and dechurched guys into this environment and would really encourage you to take advantage of that. We're gonna have more information uh, on that for you as we continue to navigate forward. I am going to do my absolute best. Here's my commitment to you, to bring in teaching and resources and teachers uh, that is gonna help you do what God has called you to do uh, uh, and it's gonna be as helpful as possible. Also, here's the thing. One of the great giants that will kill you as a man and keep you from everything that God wants to do in and through your life is pornography. Right and I know this isn't just a dude thing like they're telling us statistically that women are almost just as likely as men to be struggling with pornography and that's that in ladies if that's you we want to help you want to love you again we want this to be a place where the mask can come off let's talk about this stuff and get a pathway towards health and healing but for men in particular we are visual creatures guys I don't know if you know that about yourself but you are visually oriented and that gets you in a lot of trouble and so what happens is we are looking we're hardwired for beauty you are hardwired for beauty and and porn Porn is a counterfeit, right? It really is. We're looking for Jesus and porn is a counterfeit, but it's, we get easy access to it. And so often that's a ditch that we fall into as men. And so what we're gonna do is uh, we are starting a, a actually a porn recovery group. Uh, I told myself to not say porn group to make sure that you didn't get the <laughs> wrong idea. And I'm glad I succeeded because that would have been really bad. It's a porn recovery group, and we're actually gonna call these type of groups redemption groups. This is another thing that we're getting started, and if you're here, and you're a dude, uh, and you're like, man, this is something that's real for me, and uh, obviously, you know, I talk about my story a lot. We haven't had a lot of resources to actually be able to, like, reach in and pull you out and get you free from this thing. Uh, we've got a guy that came up to me this last summer, and he was like, hey, this is the ministry I've got on my heart. I think Jesus is calling me into this. Is there, could we maybe part together, and he had no idea, like, God was speaking to me about this, so God Great, it's awesome. Holy Spirit thing, we've got a leader. And what I want you to do if you're a guy is send an inquiry email to that. Address, nscredemption at gmail.com. What I can tell you about that, I'm not gonna give information on time and place or anything like that. This email address is gonna bypass our church administration and go straight to the leader. We care about confidentiality. We don't wanna wring out your dirty laundry out in front of the world to see, right? And he's gonna give you information then as, uh, as far as where we're gonna meet and how it's gonna go. And uh, we would love to get you plugged into that. Here's the thing, guys. You have to make a decision that only you can make. I can't make that decision for you. This thing is killing you. It's killing your marriage. It's killing your family. It's killing your relationship with God. And we're throwing you a lifeline right now. And I wanna encourage you and just say, grab onto it, right? And let's pull you out. And here's the thing. Jesus does not want you as a struggling addict for the rest of your life you do not have to be in recovery for the rest of your life. Like the blood of Jesus is enough to completely change your entire person. Romans chapter six, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so we wanna get you connected to that, right? And, and we're gonna get you connected to some guys that are uh, on that journey together. So please do that. Jesus came to set the captive free. And this is gonna be a place where we see that happen. Number two, let's talk about our second point of vision for this year. Uh, healthy leadership team. Teams. Here's here's the idea, right? This is going to start with our elders uh, and, and you know, kind of our our, our church, our, our senior church governance level elder team. It's going to start there. It's going to branch out to our church staff and ultimately to our ministry leaders, our small group leaders, and volunteers. And here's the idea why this is so important: healthy leaders reproduce healthy leaders, cultures, and teams. Right? Unhealthy leaders reproduce more unhealthy leaders, cultures, and teams. And we wanna be a healthy group of people. John Maxwell talks about the idea that everything rises and falls on leadership. And I would add to that by saying churches rise and fall on the ground of the health of their leaders. Many of you have been a part of churches where the leadership has been unhealthy, and you've been maybe burned personally. Maybe you've experienced, you know, uh, the the repercussions of a uh, you know moral failure in high level church leadership. Maybe you've been a part of a church split. The reality is, unhealthy leaders reproduce unhealthy leaders, teams, and cultures. And so, we don't want to do that. We want to be healthy. And as a church body, we will only be as healthy as our people that make. Up our body. And so I'm talking about right now about existing at the level of emotional health, of spiritual health, of relational health, marital health, and family health. Jesus gets this idea in Matthew chapter seven where he says, Listen, a healthy tree can't bear bad fruit, and a bad tree can't bear good fruit, right? And it's this idea that what is on the inside of you tends to come out. And affect the world around you. And some of you, and here, let me just say this because, because I love you. Uh, you're just incredibly emotionally unhealthy, right? Like you, you just, you just are. You live in doubt, you live in unbelief, you've got no real faith, trust, hope in Jesus, like we were talking about last week. What that does is those things actually open up a door to demonic influence and strongholds in your life, right? And what happens is we just we just end up in this place of like, you know, we struggle with the same things for ever. It's, it's it's always what's wrong. It's never what's right. The glass is always half empty. The glass is never half full. It's always looking at what isn't happening and, and instead of what is happening, and some of you are like, yeah, I married that guy. Yeah, I'm, that's that's him, right? And that's true. Like, we all have emotional unhealth in our lives, and Jesus wants at these areas. You don't remember the last time you really laughed? You really felt joy? Can I just tell you today that Jesus wants you joyful? Do you know it's one of the fruit of the Spirit? Right? Is joy. It's the Second thing Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then what? Joy, not bummed out, spiritually depressed and discouraged Christianity he says the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit of God taking up residence and gripping you and changing your life you're going to be a person marked by joy right we talked about several weeks ago about how Jesus is anointed with the oil of gladness and what he does when you become a follower of Jesus is he takes that oil and he smears it all over your face right and you begin to become a person that's marked by joy because you God is happy. And so we want you to be emotionally healthy. We want you to figure out and help you figure out how to get out of that place of depression and anxiety and worry and just looking at what isn't happening instead of focusing on the beauty of the face of Jesus. It's like this is why the Bible talks about how what sets your mind on things above. Some of you, what's happening in your life right now is everything is going crazy and it's so easy to focus all of your attention on what's going wrong, on what isn't happening, on the relationship. Relationships that are blowing up on what you aren't getting from people instead of shifting your attention to Jesus seated on the throne whose eyes are like flaming fire because he's so passionately in love with you, right? And, and, and you don't do that. And so we live depressed and discouraged and beat up in life. But here's the thing. Let me just say to you, you are a victor if you are a follower of Jesus. You are not a victim. You can reject that victim spirit and say, you don't own me anymore. You don't define me. I'm not defined by other people people and what they don't give me. I'm defined by Jesus and what he's done for me. The cross and the tomb is, the tomb is empty. The, the throne in heaven is occupied and I am now seated with Christ in heavenly places far above the discouragement, the defeat, and the dysfunction of other people. You get to live there, right? And so this is the reality, is we want to help connect you to those truths and those realities and uh, see you become healthy emotionally. And here's the thing, we can't get healthy, guys. You, you actually can't get healthy unless you are willing and to be vulnerable and say, listen, I need help. Can I just be real? You know, If, if you aren't willing to say that, can I just be real? Here's, here's unhealth in my life, in my marriage, in my family, personally. Here's what I'm struggling with. And if you're not bold enough to share that with somebody, then you don't get help. You don't get healthy. And what happens is we end up living in those cycles forever, and we never experience the freedom that Jesus wants to bring uh, uh, about in our lives. And and here's the thing. We we don't want anybody suffering in silence in this church. Can I just say, I am so, uh, you know, I so want to see the type of culture here at New Song where the religious face mask comes off. (laughs) And we can just say, you know what, hey, we're all jacked up. We've all got a sin nature. It's gonna look different in each other's lives, but like let's be okay to just bring all of the stuff to the table and recognize like I'm not gonna get judged and kicked out of the family for it, but I'm gonna get helped. I'm gonna get strengthened. I'm gonna get loved. I'm gonna get encouraged. Like we want to build a culture of grace here. And so I would invite you to be a part of that. And guys, this is why group life is so important. Like if you are not plugged into a small group, you're just you're you're just missing out. I mean, let me just tell you you're totally missing out. We need to get you connected to a small group because that's where so much of this ministry happens. And if you're here, let me just say this, if you're a small group leader, you're leading in our kids ministry, you're serving somewhere, I just want to say, man, thank you so much for your sacrifice, for your time, for your energy on the worship team and the sound booth, whatever it is that you're doing, there's no job too small, there's no job too big, right? We are so thankful for you and what you're doing, and we want to get better at supporting you. We recognize that ministry is tough sometimes. People can suck, right, like ministry can be super messy and complicated, serving and leading wherever you're at. It can be inconvenient and uncomfortable, and in addition to that, now you're off the bench and you're actually actively engaged in what God is doing here at our church and in our city, and so the target on your back got bigger for spiritual warfare. And so there's a spiritual reality to all of this, and so we want to encourage you and strengthen you. We don't want you uh, burn out and and discouraged, but we want to support you as best as we can, and so just want to take a second to just say we love you. We are available for you. I'm available for you, uh, and we would love to be a part of whatever it is that you're navigating through in life and help you and support you through that. Let me let me also say this. Maybe you're here. Wasn't really planning on going this direction, but let's just do it. Um, If you're here and you've been coming for a number of months, what happens is Christianity can very easily become a spectator sport only, right? And so what happens is we jump from different churches to different churches, right? If you're here and you're a non-Christian, dude, you just sit for as long as you want. I'm never going to ask anything from you. But for those of you that are followers of Jesus, and you've been coming here for months at this time, and you're not doing anything, it's like, what are you doing, right? Like, guys, we've got a light bill to pay. We've got past to pay. We need more pastors. we got to do more ministry, right? We've got a city to reach. We need you in the game. We need you involved. We need you giving your time and your money and your resources because what we have been called to do is way too important. We need you off the bench and in the game of what God is doing. And so I want to invite you, man, get off of your butt and get involved in what God is doing, right? And so that that doesn't offend anybody. If if that offends anybody, let me pray for you after you get out of this. Here's the thing. Come, Come to our new Song 101 class. We're gonna help you get plugged in when the next one comes up. It should be in a couple of weeks, and it's gonna be great because we need you involved in what God is doing here at this church. So, uh, we're gonna cultivate healthy leadership teams. We want you supported mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and uh, we're gonna to continue to look at ways to do that better. Number three, engage the mission. Engage the mission. Like I just said, right? oftentimes Christianity can become a spectator sport only. And, and oftentimes in church world, we just become glorified social clubs that actually have no impact on the world around us, which is to completely miss the point of what it means to be uh, the Church of Jesus as we're seeing in the book of Acts. We just sort of get together and that's it. we hang out. we don't want to actually be that type of people. Uh, we, we want to make an impact. Listen, we do not exist as New Song Church just so you can have more friends. Can I say that? We don't exist. Just so you can have more friends. We exist because people die without Jesus every single day, right? Look at this. Look at this awesome verse in Acts chapter seventeen, verse twenty-six through twenty-seven. It says this: Paul's preaching in Athens. He says, "From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth." Talking about Adam, the creation story, and He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. Look at verse 16 again. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Did you know that you being alive right now is on purpose? God puts you in this generation for a reason and for a purpose. He marked out your appointed time in history. He puts you here. You are sucking air on the planet right now in 2021 to actually partner with God and make an impact in the world around you, right? You are here so that others, if you're a Jesus follower, you're here so that others would others would be able to feel their way to God, says Luke in, in verse 27 of Acts chapter 17 that's why you're here that God puts you in the relationships that you're in in your work environment that you're in Uh, he, he gave you the passions and the desires that you have to be present in those people's lives that have similar passions and desires that they might feel their way toward God through your life if you are a Christian you are meant to be God's billboard to the world around you right? This is, this is, this is who God is. Jesus changed my life. Let me, te- let me talk to you about how you can get on on that. And this is what we want to get better at, guys. How do we actually engage the mission of reaching people for Jesus? Uh, because this is, we're an outreach-oriented church, right? Like, we do not exist just to do the religious church games and go through the motions and have nice Sunday services. And don't get me wrong, we're going to continue to leverage opportunities like men's ministry, women's ministry, recovery ministry, all that sort of stuff to support you and encourage you. But if it's only unto that and just, existing as this closed door group of people, a holy huddle, us for no more type idea where we just get together and lick our Christian wounds and we make no impact on the world around us. We're not gonna have anything to do with that. God has called us to actually reach the world around us. I mean, this is so awesome, guys. It's so fun doing this. Let me give you an example. This last week, uh, I was uh, downtown Bellingham, and I was going to do some work at Avenue Bread, awesome spot, love it down there, so cool. Great restaurant, and a um, uh, great place to just post up and get some stuff done. I get out of my car, and all of a sudden there's this guy behind me, and he's like, hey man, I'm super hungry, and uh, can you help me out? And I was like, oh crap, he's talking to me, right? I didn't, I didn't turn around. I'm like, okay, I got two options. I could pretend I didn't hear anything and walk this way, or I could turn and say something, right? And then, and then what does the Holy Spirit say? He's like, shut up and turn around. So I look at the guy, and I'm like, hey man, what's going on? He tells me a little bit. Uh, you know, he's like, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten a little bit. Can you help me with anything? And uh, uh, you know, my gut instinct, because I'm super holy and like just amazing, is like, dude, I got nothing for you. I'm busy. I got stuff going on. I've got no time for this. And then the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he's like, listen, are you willing to stop for the one today, Taylor? Are you willing to press pause on your schedule and your life and sit with this person who doesn't know me and and show them Jesus for a couple minutes? And so I'm like, crap, okay, fine. So I look at the guy and I'm like, here's the deal. I will buy you breakfast if you let me talk to you about Jesus, right? And so, and he's like, all right, why not? What do I got to lose? And so we go, like... (laughs) What the heck, great start, it's awesome. We sit down, I start to kind of hear his life, his story, and then I just ask him, I'm like, okay man, well tell me, where are you at with God? Where are you at with Jesus? What do you think about Jesus? And so he just starts talking about this stuff in his life. He grew up as a missionary's kid, did some missions work. Something happened in this family dynamic and he got really hard-hearted and offended and angry at God. And ever since then, because of what didn't happen, right? And he focused so much on that. All this stuff started to happen in his life. He gets angry at God, he disengages from his relationship with Jesus and he completely walks away and so we're having this conversation and I realized dude this is a divine appointment like God God wants you to, like he put me here in your life to tell you listen he was there through the whole thing you can forgive this person that did all the wrong to you because look at what Jesus has done for you I got to pray with him at the end it was awesome we had a total God moment and here's the thing guys we have to figure out how to do that as a people you have to take responsibility for the mission Right? You can't wait for somebody else to do it because they're not going to do it. You have to take responsibility. Matthew 28, you go and make disciples, right? You go and do the ministry. And so that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to just put the full weight of mission on your shoulders and make you figure it out with God, right? Like, we have to do this, guys. We've got a city that needs what we have, and uh, we can't just hold it all to ourselves and be selfish. And part of this is this is really exciting. We really are what we're going to do with this whole idea of engage the mission. We are knocking on the doors of three services here at our church. This is awesome. Our numbers are, we're looking right around 60 to 70% full each service. And right when that happens, it's a perfect time to begin to add more services to create capacity for people that are about to come. So I wanna invite you, if New Song is your church home, to pray with our leadership team on this. We're thinking about either adding a Saturday night church service or another Sunday morning church service. And so I would encourage you to pray about that with us. And please let me know if you feel like you get anything from the Holy Spirit on that. And the point is, guys, if you, if you, it, we, we have to continue to be oriented towards reaching people who don't know Jesus. If you go through our membership process, one thing that we do, we give an entire night to our mission, vision, values. And one of our value statements is this idea of multiplication, that we're going to be a people multiplying groups, services, and churches everywhere. Right? Every time a small group multiplies, it creates capacity for new people that are among us or people that God is drawing to our church right now. Every time a church service multiplies, it creates capacity for more people to come and engage with what God is doing. And uh, uh, it, it, we, we want to continue to make space and room for people. And, and with that, with the addition of more services, we need more leaders, right? We need kids ministry people. We need people to uh, volunteer and, and greeting team members and worship team members and sound people and outdoor coffee team members. And, and, uh, and we need you to actually uh, help us to do that. If you're not involved, we would love to get you plugged in here. Uh, the question is never for the church. Is it God's will for the church to grow? That's the wrong question. It's a horrible question. Living things grow. The church is a living, breathing Uh, uh, reality, full of the life of Jesus. It would be really weird if my kids stopped growing. Marissa's pregnant with her third baby, just found out we're having a girl. God help me, please pray for me. I'm more a girl dad than a guy dad. It's ridiculous. And I feel bad for all the little boys that are gonna try to come running around my house. So if you got little boys, keep them away or I will do that for you. So, (laughs) right? But it would be really weird if my baby in Marissa's womb stopped growing. That would be really wrong. Something would be horribly wrong if that was the the case. This is why it's never the question, is it God's will for our ministry, for our church, for our small group to grow? Living things grow. It's natural. The real question is what's actually keeping it from growing. And what happens oftentimes in Christian circles is oftentimes we get offended at growth right? We do. If you've ever been a part of a growing ministry or church or whatever, we tend to get offended at growth. That happens very early, actually, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 10, Do you guys remember what we just went through, right? The the gospel breaks into the Gentile world, Cornelius and his entire family get saved, and now all of a sudden the Jewish church is holding a theological meeting to figure out what they think about the expanding influence of the church in Acts chapter 11. They get together to debate what to do with the growing influence of the church. It's Right, and this is what we tend to do. We tend to get we tend to get offended at growth. And Peter, what happens for him in Acts 10 is he gets his entire worldview totally uprooted by God when God calls him to go sit with Cornelius and his family and talk to them about Jesus. Because Peter realizes, oh my gosh, God is after people everywhere. Right? And he put me here to reach as many as I can, as fast as I can. And so we tend to, to not like growth and adding services and multiplying groups because we're selfish, right? <laughs> can I just call it like it is? Because we're selfish, right? What's it gonna mean for me? I'm, I'm not gonna see my friends. I have to more, meet more people, which sounds horrible. And I don't wanna do that, right? I I? I, don't, I, what am I what's this all gonna be, mean for me if we do this? And here's the thing, nowhere in any of that list of stuff is missing urgency. Nowhere. You can't find it. It's not in there. It's all me and my personal preferences and my comfort and my desires. And so we have to consistently be a people that pay the price and resist uh, that consumer-oriented Christianity. And uh, here's the point, guys. Let me just try and put some fire in your belly here for a second. You have 15 minutes on the stage of humanity You've got 15 minutes, your life is a breath. It's a vapor. You're here for a second and then you're gone. You can choose to live your life for purely temporal realities or you can learn live from an eternal perspective and actually make an impact that's gonna echo down through the halls of eternity, right? We have 15 minutes. We have a generation around us in the city, in this county that doesn't know Jesus and God has called us to reach them and uh, we're gonna continue to do that by the grace of God as we figure out how do we actually engage the mission. Number four, last Lastly here, uh, we wanna become a house of prayer. Um, You know, I'm not gonna spend a a ton of time on this because we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna talk more intentionally about this in the next couple weeks. We're bringing Jason Hubbard in here to talk about some stuff with us. It's gonna be legit. So pumped about that. But let me give you a, a couple just introductory thoughts here. This is our first call as a church. First primary call is to be a house of prayer. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 21, my house shall be called a house of prayer, right? His house, his church, his people shall be categorized. They shall be defined by becoming a house of prayer. Our first job is not ministry to each other. It's not ministry to our city It's ministry to Jesus. All those other things are important. We're gonna make place for them. But ministry to the Lord has to be primary. What happens when you minister to Jesus, you know what happens? He comes and he ministers to you. It's crazy, right? It's crazy how this works. And, and in regard to your own personal spiritual health and well being, this is like the fundamental reality of discipleship. John chapter 15, Jesus says, Abide in me as the branch can't bear fruit apart from the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. What's he saying? You want to live a fruitful, healthy, vibrant life? You got to press into relationship and dependence upon me. Just as the branch, the fruit that grows on the branch is dependent on being connected to the life of the vine, it's the exact same thing for you. The prayer room is a place where we come together. Charles Spurgeon said it's the furnace of the church. It's the boiling room. It's where we come together. When we capture the heart of God, we minister to Jesus, we actually encounter his presence, and stuff in the heavens and on the earth is shifted and changed forever because we partner with God in the place of prayer and what he wants to do. We we gotta get back to this, and... uh, I'm really excited to talk some more about that uh, because Jesus says his house will be called a house of prayer. I mean, think about the implication of that. My house, the place where I dwell. How many of you... uh, have at least at some point wanted to encounter God in your life. Don't raise your hand, that's everybody, right? You, right? You, We we have this thing where it's like, I wanna encounter God. Like, I wanna hear God. I wanna know who he is. I wanna know what he's like. But the reality is, is we don't show up to the prayer room, right? And he's like, listen, let me make this really clear for everybody just so we're all on the same page. My house, the place of my presence, where I am, where you can find me, all the time is in the house of prayer. And we want it to be said of New song church that our church is built on prayer not on programs jesus doesn't say my house is going to be called a house of preaching a house of programs or whatever else we like to make church about he says it's going to be called a house of prayer and in fact in john chapter 2 verse 17 uh, it says zeal for your house consumes me this is right after jesus walked through the temple and literally whipped some fools with a whip right like, do you have a paradigm for that Jesus? Because he's so zealous for the house of prayer. He's so zealous for that meeting place between God and humanity. Now, and there's good reason for it. Uh, and so in the Bible, there's all of these narratives and these images that come up and, uh, and that are playing out all throughout the entire Bible, all 66 books of the Bible. This, it's incredible how this works. There's all of these different themes that all lead you to the person and to the work of Jesus. And one of those themes is the theme of the temple. It's the temple narrative. And the theme of the temple is all about where God and humanity overlaps. You start in the book of Genesis. God is walking with mankind in the cool of the day, right? We are face to face. We're in the presence of each other. There's all sorts of overlap. It's the Garden of Eden. It's amazing. Then what happens is we sin, we transgress, we rebel against God, we choose our own way, we reject his good authority in our lives, and we rebel against him, and now there's separation. Right? Now now there's separation between God and humanity and what God does with his people in the Old Testament to restore a measure of that relational overlap is he gives the tabernacle, he gives the temple. One of the highest moments in the Old Testament is when Solomon dedicates the temple of God, the house of worship, the house of prayer and fire literally enters into the temple supernaturally. Everybody falls on their faces and freaks out because now there's a place for humanity and for God to begin to overlap, but it was still confined to a temple, right? And so now what happens when you get to Jesus in the Gospels, we find out he literally is God incarnate. Like, he literally is the fulfillment of the temple. He is the presence of God, not confined to a building, but to a body walking around and among us, healing the sick, delivering the oppressed, doing all sorts of great stuff that's going to happen in the kingdom of God. He brings it to the here and now. He he defeats sin, he beats death, he raises to new life, he ascends to heaven. And now it's said of the church in Ephesians chapter two that you're the temple right? That we're the temple, that God is making us to be a house in which he dwells by his presence. And ultimately, we become a people that hosts the presence of God while we sit with him in his house of prayer. And so that's what we want to, that's what we want to navigate towards, because here's the thing, guys, God really means it. His house really is a house of prayer, right? Like, we have seen in Incredible stuff happen as we just get together and and we pray. And ultimately, this temple narrative is fulfilled in Revelation chapter 21 verse 22 uh, when it says, I saw no temple because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. One thing currently present in our generation that's awesome is this deep desire for justice. And I absolutely want to affirm that, that, that God put that there. That is a great thing uh, that's in you, that burning, that desire for justice, for the world as it should be, as it should be. But here's what's so subversive about the temple narrative. You only get Eden if God is the one bringing it. You only get Eden if the God of Eden, the God who created Eden, is the one ruling and reigning and actually bringing it. And so uh, and so this is, this, is, this is what we tend to do as uh, as a people. If you look at the United States, the, close to the last 300 years, every election cycle, what we do is we rally behind our political messiahs and say, finally, this is gonna be the person that establishes justice, that redistributes wealth and, and money uh, to where it needs to go and does what's right and fights for the oppressed and sets the captive free. And I just think, you know, about after 300 years that we should call that experiment failed, right, you know? <laughs> Like there's a place for it, it's, it's, there's good within it and God established it and we wanna pray for our governing leaders. But here's the thing, we are only going to get Eden if Jesus is the one that actually brings it. it. We don't get justice without the God of justice. And what this has to do with prayer is Jesus teaches us to pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus teaches you to pray that in the Sermon on the Mount, he's not saying I want you to reflect on where you're gonna go when you die. He's saying I want you to pray that the ever-present reality of the kingdom rule and reign and uh, uh, rule of God right now breaks in to the here and now. Right? Like, I want you to believe for the inbreaking of the kingdom of God, says Jesus, in your marriage right now, in your family right now, in your government, in your educational sphere, in your church, in your city, in your state, in your nation. I want you to actually believe for this right now. What happens when we pray is God rips the heavens open and he comes down and he brings and he establishes his kingdom, right? And this is the effect of a praying people. And in fact, we're gonna see this in the next couple weeks. Every major move of God that's happened in church history, you can bring all of them back to a crazy group of even a couple people that are willing to shut off their iPhones, shut down Netflix and YouTube, and show up to the prayer meeting and cry out for what God wants to do in their generation. And in fact, we're seeing that all over the book of Acts, right? Where there's a lot of prayer, there's a lot of Holy Spirit activity. And where there's a lot of Holy Spirit activity, you can bring it all the way back to a lot of prayer. And guys, this is fascinating to me. We've seen this at our watches that we're doing, the 24 hours of worship and prayer, every month that we've done that, that following weekend, we see people get saved. Like we see miracles. Like God just hijacks those services in crazy ways. It's awesome because this actually really works. I've heard it said once that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. I heard this one uh, story. uh, I'm, I'm gonna make you wait till next week for that one. Clickbait right there for you. It's really good. But here's the thing, right? When we pray, God shows up and does amazing things. Let me just, one one more thing on the temple narrative, just because the spirit of God brings this to mind for me. Uh, What's amazing about this idea of the temple narrative is on the cross, as Jesus' flesh is ripped open, at the same time, the curtain in the temple is ripped open too. It's crazy, right? You've got this thick curtain in between the world and the centralized location of the presence of God on the earth. As Jesus is crucified, his flesh is ripped open. At the same time, the temple curtain is ripped open. And it wasn't so God could get out, it was so you could get in. And some of you today, you need to give your life to Jesus right jesus he 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 died for you he loves you he paid the penalty for your sin and he has given you access into his very presence, and he is the only way. And so for some of you, you need to make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus. His arms are open. God wants you to live a life saturated by his presence in relationship with him, and I wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. Let me just land the ship by saying a couple things here. Uh, You know, with, With all of this vision that we're talking about, what I love about being a part of a church is that God will put different things on different people's hearts. And so what I wanna encourage you to do is just take some... Some, some time, you know, even right now to just begin praying and reflecting and just saying, okay, God, in regard to these four things, where are you calling me to get behind what you wanna do at our church? Uh, maybe you're here and you're a dude and you know, like, man, like, Here's the thing, I struggle with pornography. I need some help here. Uh, Man, send an email to that that, that address, nscredemption at gmail.com. Make the decision only you can make and get involved. Maybe you're here and you're a guy and you just don't have a support system and you're like, I gotta get more intentional. Uh, I need to see myself grow as a husband, as a father or prepare for those roles that are coming towards me. Maybe you're engaged, you're a single guy, never better time in your life to be a part of something like that. I wanna encourage you to come and join us November 15th from 6 to eight. 8 p.m. Maybe you're here and you're in that category of just suffering in silence. You've got the religious face mask on. You've been trying to put on this front of everything's put together and awesome in your life, and really it's a complete disaster behind closed doors, and you need to join a small group, and you need to be real with what you're going through and and give and receive strength from other people. Maybe you're here and you just have a a burden for helping us become a house of prayer. Dude, let's talk. Let's get you leading a prayer time. We've got some awesome prayer times happening. Thursday night from 7 to 8 p.m., Dana and Amy and I, I are here. We lead prayer and worship. You can just come and meet with Jesus. We'll do all the heavy lifting from the stage. We're not going to make you do anything weird, uh, like stand up on your chair, shave your head, put a tambourine in your hand, and make you speak in tongues. Right? The first time we do that. The second meeting. <laughs> but um, first time you get a total pass. So come and hang out with us, and uh, we would love to have you join us for that meeting. It's going to be awesome. Or maybe you're here and you're like, dude, I need to engage with the mission. Like I am benched. I'm not doing anything. I'm not giving my money, my time, my resources to help New Song accomplish what Jesus has called New Song into. I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to give money. I'm going to start looking for opportunities in regard to the world around me to share Jesus and be bold and partner with God to see an impact. What I want to encourage you to do is just reflect and just say, okay, Jesus, what's it for me today, right? Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you, will speak to us, and we will move together in the direction of what he's called us towards. Okay, amen? All right, would you stand with me? Let me go ahead and pray us out of here. Prayer team, if you could go ahead and make your way up here. I want to pray for a couple group of couple groups of people. Uh, number one, one thing that we were picking up in in prayer this morning is this idea of emotional health. I ended up hitting that a little bit more intentionally in the message. If this is something that you 're struggling with, right you just feel depressed anxious worried you 've got the stress of life that 's just bearing weighing you down. We want to just minister to you today, and uh, we want to believe God for just breakthrough in that reality, those realities in your life also if you 're here and uh, uh, you 're just saying man like I'm, I, I need to." Get involved with some stuff. And uh, you wanna put a stake in the ground, come forward. We love to pray for you and with you and help get you Uh, connected intentionally. Maybe you're here and you need to give your life to Jesus. Please come up. We would love to pray for you and get you in relationship with God today. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you so much that you are alive and active, present, leading us, guiding us. Lord, we thank you so much for your leadership. Uh, God, I love this church. I know you love this church. You're doing an amazing thing among us, and we want to be engaged. We want to be in it with you, Jesus, and what you're doing. And so we say yes to what you're doing. Lord, would you speak to us of where you're calling us individually into investing intentional time and energy and effort. And Lord, we're believing that we're gonna see your kingdom invade the earth Uh, and Bellingham reached and transformed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming. Have a great week. Please come forward if we can minister to you. Otherwise, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.